Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Is hair a material? Are biscuits a material? Are crystals a material? Is plastic a material? Is porridge a material? Can gases be a material? Are eggs a material? Is water a material? What do you call everything that isn't a material? <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to laugh at you, guys. And yet you continue to do so. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to episode eight of Real Talk. I'm your host, Anna Pajajski, and I just want to say a massive thank you to Alex Lathbridge, aka Thermoflynamics, for making me my incredible new podcast music. This time we're returning to the fantastic world of plastics. Earlier this month, I interviewed Hannah Cameron, who is a lab engineer at Barclays Eagle Labs. And we talked about PLA, which is a material commonly used in 3D printing. I joined Hannah at her work and I started by asking her what she loves so much about 3D printing. It's such a interesting tech that people, what you see on the movies and things, it seems so advanced and so fascinating like you can make anything and actually when you get to know it you realize it's a tool just like anything else and it's actually got this lovely mix of being very futuristic being able to do anything with it but you have to edit so much so much goes wrong it feels like it takes me about six times to get anything to print correctly and I have to edit everything with my hands. It's very hands-on, it's quite engineering, it's fascinating to try and work out what the problems are that's going wrong with it. So it feels like a mix between this future tech and yet it's just a tool like anything else. So because this is Real Talk, we're here to talk about a specific material and the one that we've decided might be the best one to do is PLA, Mm -hmm. right, which stands for polylactic acid. Yeah, so this is the most common material used for... Um, the type of 3D printers I'm using, which is FDM printers. What does FDM stand for? Fused Deposition Modelling. Okay, so these are the 3D printers that most people probably would have seen, which is where like a bit of molten plastic comes Mm -hmm. out of a nozzle and the nozzle shoots around until it builds up this model. Yeah, yeah. So it starts with the bottom layer of anything you design and it works on an X and Y axis and does a whole horizontal layer and then the z-axis goes down a really tiny bit Mm -hmm. like a fraction of a centimeter and then that builds it up layer by layer so polylactic acid is a weird name because it has the word lactic acid in it which a lot of people would have heard of in terms of like doing exercise and getting out of breath and stuff yes that's all i know about it actually because i don't come from a background in um, understanding any chemistry at all i just come from this totally empirically right (laughs) So I guess, I mean, I'm the person here that's supposed to be talking about the chemistry of it. But (laughs) as a material scientist, I don't really know any chemistry. 
Um, what I do know is that it was about polymers. So polylactic acid indicates that the lactic acid is the repeating unit that is repeated over and over again in making up the polymer chains, like the big, long molecules which make up the material. Lactic acid in our muscles is a liquid, but polylactic acid, because it's a polymer, is a solid at room temperature. So when I'm melting the polylactic acid in the nozzle, it gets to 220 degrees and then it melts the plastic into drips, which is what I'm using to do the horizontal axis. Mm-hmm. When I'm doing that, does that make it turn into lactic acid? <laughs> <laughs> no, good question. No, it doesn't. So talking about the long chains and the short chains, so that's just at room temperature. When you heat polymers up, the chains stay in the same length that they were, but the chains lose their order, so they become disordered. So a bit like spaghetti, how spaghetti, if you were to pour a bowl of spaghetti onto the floor, it would behave like a liquid. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, okay. <laughs> so like none of the chains actually cut themselves up and become smaller in melting. Mm-hmm. It's just that the chains themselves behave differently around each other. Okay, yeah. So we talked then about melting the PLA, PLA, for any nerds out there, is a thermoplastic, which means that it can be melted and solidified lots and lots of different times, which isn't the case for some other plastics. Oh, that's that's actually really interesting because a lot of companies try to recycle the PLA. And actually, I've done an experiment trying to do it myself. But because you're melting it and then making it solidified and then melting it again, and you then would be going through the process so many times that it comes out a quite poor quality print at the end. Mm-hmm. So is it breaking down something in the chemical? Yeah, exactly. So the more you manipulate the molecules in the material, the more likely they are to break. And so this is actually a problem with recycling any kind of plastic as well. Like you can only recycle it a certain number of times, usually not very many number of times before the polymer chains start to break up and it loses its useful properties. Mm. So like with a lot of recycled materials, you tend to have to mix previously recycled ones with fresh stuff in order to get a reasonable amount of good quality material. Oh, right. So do you know how many times you can recycle PLA before it goes rubbish? No, even when you try it once, it tends to go quite rubbish. Okay. (laughs) But I know that industry, they use um, black PLA actually has parts of it that's quite burnt ah. but you can't see it because it's the black colouring uh, so they actually use some of that so perhaps some of that is being melted and solidified and melted again Yeah, and then that goes into the black filament and that makes it have a diff- different way of printing so the temperature tends to be different to that of the other colours oh right interesting so the black filament that you input into your machine would tend to have more recycled stuff than the other colours. Yeah, I think so. So another interesting thing about PLA is that unlike other plastics, it's actually not derived from petrochemicals or crude oil. It's derived from renewable sources. Do you know which renewable sources they are? So I know that it's about 70% cornstarch Hmm. and it's usually manufactured that way in America. Sometimes it's made of sugarcane. Um, yeah, so we use that because it gives off the least amount of fumes. Um, so it's quite useful to have in an environment where you've got lots of people coming in. Um, yeah, there's other materials you can get, like ABS. That plastic's actually um, petro, whatever you said. <laughs> <laughs> Derived from petrochemical yeah. raw materials. <laughs> <laughs> Um, 
So that's that's what like Lego blocks are made of. Oh, cool. ABS. So it's slightly stronger, but mm-hmm. you generally don't really need that for what you're using desktop 3D printers for making prototypes. It's strong enough. It's very strong in itself. So there's also loads of other materials you can use in 3D printing mm-hmm. as well. But like what? Um, there's lots of different types of um, PLA there's um, translucent glow in the dark <gasps> favourite. <laughs> there's flexible PLA uh, so after you print with that one it actually bends so it's like a rubbery type material yeah you can use it a lot for things like wearables it's very useful for that ah. there's wood filament <gasps> there's also metal filaments there's carbon fibre which is quite exciting, but that really damages the nozzles, so you have to replace the nozzles because it's quite hard-wearing. Okay. Yeah, there's loads of different ones. Okay, so we're talking about 3D printing materials, but we should probably define what exactly 3D printing is. Okay, yeah. So 3D printers work by, like, kind of like a big glue gun. It's the same sort of technology. You put sticks of material into a nozzle that heats up and it melts that into tiny globules that you decide where to put but instead of using your hand you've got a machine and you tell it what shape you want it to make and it will transfer that into xyz coordinates and it does the xy by itself and then the z-axis the actual bed of the printer will move down so it starts at the bottom it does the xy it moves down a little bit and does the next layer of xy And it keeps going until it gets to the top. What makes it really interesting is that when you're doing a 3D modelling design, in the design interface, you don't have to adhere to any kind of physics or anything. So you can model anything, but you can't 3D print any model that you make because in the real life, you have gravity and things like that that affect the print. Okay, so what kind of shapes wouldn't you be able to 3D print? Um, I wouldn't say that you can't print anything because the wonderful thing about additive manufacturing is you can print anything efficiently rather than carving away at a large block of something, which is generally what we do with stuff like milling. So it saves a lot on how much material you're using and how much energy you're using. But then that means that you can't really do 90 degree angles without any support structure to hold it up. Okay, because otherwise you'd just be printing into the air. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it kind of does 45 degree angles quite nicely. Anything higher than that, you'll start to see it drip and Mm -hmm. it hangs a little bit. And that affects the quality of your print. So you then need to think about other things that you can do in order to fix that in your file. Like I said, you can use support structures, but that often leaves a residue. And depending on what you're using that for, that's not ideal. So you'd have to do some post-processing to sand it off, maybe, or something similar. So it takes a lot more time, so that's not really efficient. But then there's other printers out there that have two nozzle heads, so you can print in two different colours, or you can print with another material they use, which is PVA, so like PVA glue. Mm -hmm. They use that specifically for support structure, and then PVA is soluble in water, dissolves. So you put your finished print into a bowl of water, leave it for a couple of hours, 
and you come back and it, the rest of the support has dissolved and you're left with your sphere or whatever it was that you wanted to print. That's so cool. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> that reminds me of another process that I was reading about that you can do 3D printing for, which is the lost PLA process, lost PLA casting, <laughs> which <No>. is... Um... <laughs> which is the one that's the one where you um you 3d print your shape that you want um and then you put that inside like a plaster sort of ceramic like material and then when you put that plaster in an oven or a furnace or something um the pla with its low melting temperature will melt out of the hole and you're left with a mold effectively of your original shape and that's kind of investment casting and that's been used like throughout history to make lots and lots of different shapes out of different materials yeah, so you can do that with jewellery making right now. They're using it in Hatton Gardens. And you can take a 3D print there and they will melt your PLA out of the material itself and do the same process. And so they'd be able to cast then like gold, silver, any kind of materials yeah. from the negative of your original PLA mould. Yeah, exactly. That's so cool. So other uses for PLA that I've seen include biodegradable cups so you know like when you're at a music festival or something and you have like transparent quite hard quite nice quality plastic cups that you buy beer in or whatever no way and they say that they're biodegradable that's PLA wow do you know the cups that I mean yeah yeah that's weird and they're used because PLA decomposes like it's a compostable material and other examples are like plastic packaging you know those posh tea bags yeah you told me this didn't you those are pla yeah yeah that's that's really odd (laughs) i find that really strange (laughs) i think um when you print anything on a 3d printer out of pla you can't use it for anything it is actually toxic but that's only because of the coloring that they put in it's the chemicals okay from that so actually that makes sense that pla by itself being quite natural mm-hmm. that would be fine to use in food and the stuff right so the colorless stuff like for the cups and um yeah presumably for the packaging and stuff yeah. like that's fine and that's interesting actually the tea bag thing because that's like a fiber like that's woven fibers yeah apparently you can get like upholstery and clothes and the elusively named feminine hygiene products, <laughs> i.e. like tampons and Maybe shit. PLA. Well, presumably like sanitary pads rather than tampons. But yeah, sanitary oh. pads apparently have got PLA in them. Okay, so a lot of people think of 3D printing as quite a kind of modern slash futuristic technology. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was surprised to hear that actually it's quite an old technology, like it's got quite a lot of history. Yeah, so the FDM printers are actually as old as me. We've grown up together. What, 21? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so nice. Um, (laughs) No, uh, so they're about 30 years old. Okay. But before that, there's been all the industrial 3D printing that was done before that. And that's what you see in the movies, in... um, car industries um it's it's everywhere it's a medical use it's in loads of places but the consumable 3d printers are fdm printers and they're around 30 years old there's a there's a really interesting um <laughs> movie called 3d print the legend no way. <laughs> and that's about the development of the movement for 3d printers and how they began and it's just like the film facebook <laughs> but actually about real objects and not loads of people staring at screens all the time 
<laughs> so it's like a cool what's the film actually called it's called like oh the social network oh yeah that's it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um the facebook film though yeah but there's no there's there's like about one woman in the whole film unfortunately yeah <laughs> i mean same with all films <laughs> but especially films about engineering <laughs> small details are big surfaces tight corners are odd shapes flat rounded textured or tall whatever your next project there's a spray paint pattern that's just right because Rustoleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustoleum. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. L'Oreal are 3D printing skin, so they don't have to test on any animals anymore. They can test on skin. And yeah, they print about a, a cow's worth of skin every year. Well, like the surface of a cow's yeah. worth. <laughs> That's a really weird. Me- Why did they do that? <laughs> I don't know how much skin a cow has. They actually don't use it all either. They um they sell off into the dark web. I don't know where they sell it. I don't they sell think off half Gloria. <laughs> Settled to the dark web. I'm just gonna half a cow's worth of skin. It just disappears into like the black market. They sell it for I think it's like seventy dollars a square inch or something. Wow. Um... Yeah, my brother sold some of his skin once. <laughs> what? <laughs> for a medical trial. It's really fun. You can get loads of money for it. Wow. But now he has like a square <laughs> scar. That's so weird. <laughs> yeah. Other medical uses for 3D printing include, like, drug delivery. So, like, the body can much better take up a drug if it has a high surface area. So if you imagine, like, um, the shape of a normal pill, like, the body would break that down from the outside in. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you're able to create a 3D scaffold, which has a much higher surface area, and coat that in the drug, then the body can attack that much more easily and then uptake the drug much more quickly. And then eat the PLA underneath. Yeah, because PLA is, <laughs> it's not inert in the body, but it's a bioactive material. So the body's able to break it down. And oh. when it breaks it down, it just turns into lactic acid, which the body knows how to process because it's a natural material that oh we use God. all the time. This is recycling PLA. This yeah. is what they should be doing. Yeah, no, but 3D printing of internal organs and human tissue mm. is happening now, I think, in labs. I- 
believe what they're doing <clears throat> is using the 3D printer as a stable place to grow. So they are putting down the cells in specific places and in um, certain um, forms that then grow in a stable environment within the printer. Ah, okay. So control the temperature and that kind of thing. So if you, say, wanted to print, like, a liver, would you 3D print sort of a scaffold, like, shape of a liver and then implant some stem cells and then somehow, because biology, they would turn into liver cells and then you'd have a 3D printed liver? I mean, unfortunately, I don't know this. <laughs> I think that's similar to how they do it. <laughs> I wish I knew. I don't know. There's a thing as well, isn't there, about like lab-grown meat? Do you think yeah. that's 3D printed? Ah, oh, I'm sure it must be. Yeah, it sounds like the sort of thing that 3D printing is in. It's in everything now. <laughs> Even burgers. <laughs> meat-free, but actually just meat burgers. <laughs> Animal-free meat burgers. PLA burgers. My favourite 3D printing material is my cork fill, which is a type of wood filament. It's it's cork, but it's just really fascinating. So it's PLA, but it's got fibres or powder of cork inside it. And when it prints, if you have the temperature, you can you can adjust it on the printer as it's printing. And if you turn it up, you can see it start to burn. So the, it changes colour as you increase the temperature it gets darker and darker and darker and it smells like amazing it smells like a lovely day in a cabin with a log fire wow. <laughs> and it's also incredibly light it's different to the other wood filaments the other wood filaments are quite heavy but the cork is is very light it's not very dense at all and if you have quite a small a small layer so it prints rather rapidly because it doesn't have to go very far that will make it hotter and so it will make it turn darker by itself without you having to increase the temperature so imagine if you had a cone and it got smaller and smaller towards the tip yeah it would start out light brown and then it would go brown and brown 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 until it would go really dark and then it would burn and then it would smell terrible if you burn it (laughs) up to that point it's really nice it's really amazing. Wow, that's so cool. So what have you made out of cork filament? Um, I made a, a, a trumpet end. <laughs> I've made key rings, toys. I make stuff for my home. Whenever anything breaks, I just fix it. So say if my chair is wonky, I've got a lamp that's wonky. I'm trying to give it feet. Um, stuff like that. I've nice. changed everything about the house. I've, I dip dye some prints that I make and I I was literally doing it and then realised I didn't have anywhere to hang them to dry them very forward thinking and so it took me 10 minutes to quickly set up some hooks and I had a handful of them so I could then use them specifically for my prints I didn't have to go to a hardware store or anything oh so you 3D printed your own hooks yeah nice extrudy he did it in 10 minutes (laughs) Um, and then I that was enough time for me to hang them up to dry and I didn't waste the prints <laughs> nice <laughs> yeah. 3D printing saves the day it does, it does so you alluded earlier to the fact that 3D printing 
is a process that is quite accustomed to failure (laughs) and that the whole process involves a lot of trial and error. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot that can go wrong with the prints. You have to make sure that the bed is aligned exactly. It's a paper width from the nozzle that it has to be. And if it's not, then you get some hilarious responses from your (laughs) printer. What, What happens? Sometimes it will print a little bit and then it will stick to the nozzle because it hasn't adhesed, adhered, adhered <laughs> to the print bed enough because it's not close enough. So it will then stick to whatever else it can, which is the nozzle. And then it will just print the rest inside itself. And that's really hard to clean out. Oh, no. And it just keeps going. It it has no idea whether it's failing or not. Right. It just does exactly what you've told it to do. So every time it goes wrong, it's entirely your fault. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes you can leave prints overnight and wake up to just a spaghetti mess. Carnage. <laughs> uh, sometimes a layer won't ad- adhere to another layer on top of it. Mm-hmm. So it will just spring out like spaghetti. There's some prints that do that on purpose, which are quite fun to create hair. <gasps> cool. So you can get like a lion's mane. So you print the lion in the centre. And then when you do the mane, it just drops it into the air. Right. And comes back. So it hangs and then you just trim the loops at the edge and it just sticks out. <laughs> that's so cool. Yeah, that's quite fun. So there's ways of using it. So it's always really interesting to think about the problems that you have with 3D printing and how to solve them. Yeah, there's loads of things that go wrong. You can get a knot in the material at the back that you won't be able to see. Mm, that's happened to me before. Oh, yeah? Yeah. What were you printing? I was trying to 3D print a Ninja Flex, which is that sort of rubbery uh, material. Yeah. The really flexible one. Yeah. And the filament on the spool was just, like, knotted around to itself. So the 3D printer yeah. was trying to pull it through... And it was getting tighter and tighter oh, and tighter because it was knotted in the printer. back. Yeah, it's really sad. <laughs> What's your favourite thing that you've ever 3D printed? When I 3D printed a rainbow that sat in some clouds <laughs> because I used every single type of filament I could find. And then I discovered that I was using heat-sensitive filament, so the purple changed colour as well. <gasps> My favourite! <laughs> And that was in order to secure myself a contract. Wait, so was it part of a job interview? Not exactly. (laughs) It's quite difficult to explain the nuances of the situation. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I was being asked to do work when I didn't have a contract. And it was in a makerspace with lots of 3D printers. And they were asking me to do work. And they weren't in. And they said they would be to give me the contract. So I refused to do the work and I commandeered all the printers and printed a different colour on each one, making the most pointless thing I could think of and then sent them updates of what I was doing so that they knew that I wasn't going to do the work until they gave me a contract. That is incredible. And they thought it was really funny and gave me a contract, so it was fine. Amazing. (laughs) They put it in their reception space because they thought it was so funny. (laughs) So, like, being facetious with 3D printing can sometimes get you a job, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) To finish up, I'd like to ask you what you think the future of 3D printing holds. 
Um, I think 3D printing is going to be in absolutely everything in the future. And my hope is that it will be linked up to something like Alexa. So our home will have a 3D printing. Um, maybe it will have different types of 3D printers for different types of things. You could have a food 3D printer instead of a kitchen. You can have um, a 3D printer printing out your clothes. You can have so much with them. I'm hoping they'll be everywhere. So rather than going shopping, then, we would just download a file and our printer would print it for us. Yeah, exactly. Maybe we could go shopping online for files and then we would just download it into our printer. And maybe by that point, there wouldn't be so much troubleshooting <laughs> and they'd be able to do it exactly as you wanted. So you think every every home will have a 3D printer? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do. That's so exciting. Yeah, really exciting. The revolution is coming. Yeah, so get on it. So that was my chat with the wonderful Hannah Cameron. If you want to follow her and her 3D printing adventures on social media, she's at hancam14 on Twitter and on Instagram. So to the questions. Well, first up, we have a question from Mike Ontario, who asks, what is the biggest 3D printed object? Well, the internet was my old friend again for this one. And apparently the biggest 3D printed object is a tool which was printed by the scientists at Oak Ridge National Lab in the US. And it's a tool which Boeing plans to use to build the wings on its 777X aircraft. So there you go. And the second question comes from Hannah Ayub, who asks, what affects which materials can be 3D printed? So if we're talking about the fused deposition modelling that we were speaking about mostly in this episode, the main limiting factor for lots of materials is actually their melting temperature. So you need a low enough melting temperature that the nozzle can melt the material, but you need a high enough melting temperature that the material can quickly solidify to actually make the printed object, and then so that more layers can be added onto the top. Alternatively, you could use materials which solidify in other ways, for example, with concrete, which cures as it solidifies. So, people, that's it for this episode of Real Talk. If you're enjoying the podcast, then please tell all your friends and maybe leave us a cheeky five-star review on iTunes. That'll be awesome. Um, if you want to hear me do even more materials chat and you can get over to Shoreditch in London on the evening of Monday the 5th of February, then I'm doing my one-hour show called The Future of Smart Materials and there will also be a very exciting materials quiz afterwards. Tickets are available online. You can just head over to funzing.com, that's fun and then zing. Dot com and search for the future of smart materials. I'm also taking the show to the Nottingham Festival of Science and Ideas on the 19th of February, so I'd love to see you there as well if you're up that way. And finally, if you want to catch Hannah doing some live comedy about making, then head over to the Leicester Comedy Festival on Sunday the 25th of February, where at 1pm at the Criterion, Hannah is splitting an hour comedy show with Charlie Miller and it's called Making It. So that's all for this time. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to tweet us to say hi. We're at Real Talk. That's R-I-A-L Talk. And we'll see you next time on Real Talk. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves 
without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum.